Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. If you've been around City, you know that uh, all last year we took a look at the kingdom of God, what is it in Scripture, And this year, we're taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount. Last year, Kingdom of God, Sermon on the Mount is how do you live in the kingdom? What does it look like to follow Jesus into the kingdom of God, knowing that there are two kingdoms in essence? There's the kingdom of the world and then the kingdom of God. If you were to look at the Sermon on the Mount, and there is an Eastern literary tool called a chiastic structure. But what it is, it's the Bible's filled with what's called chiasms. And if you were to look at the center of the Sermon on the Mount, what sits at the epicenter of the Sermon on the Mount is the Lord's Prayer. And it's this Eastern literary tool that kind of points you to the center of what you're supposed to know. And so that's why we pray the Lord's Prayer every single Sunday. And so we're going to pray it again, and then we will all, well, I won't be, but you'll be seated. (laughs) This then is how you should pray. Let's pray out loud. Our Father, who is in heaven... Holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You may be seated. So again, we are processing through the Sermon on the Mount, and this morning, in just a moment, we're going to take a look at the text where Jesus talks about treasure and money. Before we get there, though, there's one thing that we have to understand before we jump into the sermon at hand, and it is this. If you were to look at what Jesus has taught in the Sermon on the Mount just prior to where we're reading you will discover that he's talked about three topics. He's talked talked about giving, fasting, and praying. And what Jesus says in all three of those is that when you practice giving, fasting, or praying, you're supposed to do it in private. In other words, you don't give and go trumpet it. You don't fast and let your hair get all disheveled and stop wearing deodorant. And then when he says he pray, don't do it with trumpets on the street corner. Just do those things in private. And here's why. There is an unseen God who sees what is unseen, and when you function in his unseen world, he will reward you. He will reward you for everything that you do. Because in the kingdoms of this world, you want to do everything in public so that everyone sees, but not in the kingdom. The kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And how we function in that kingdom takes some discipleship and some learning because if you're part of the kingdom of the world and then you follow Jesus into this new kingdom, there's a lot of stuff to learn and how to walk and how to live. And so again, prior to us reading what we're getting ready to read, Jesus has introduced the concept of an unseen reality. It's unseen, it's not seen. And so as we pick up our reading, I'd like for us just to keep that in mind. It's going to help us to understand 
what Jesus is teaching in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. So let's begin reading in, in Matthew 6, 19 through 34. We're gonna read a lot of text, but you're gonna see some themes. Treasures in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and, and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, two different kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus seems to shift gears. It seems odd because now he talks about eyeballs. The eye is the lamp of the body and if your eyes are healthy, all your, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's the end of his little riff on eyes. By the way, how many of you wear glasses or contacts? Raise your hand. How many of you do not? For those of us that don't, we are more righteous than those who do. That's what Jesus is saying. Actually, we're going to come back to that. It's very key. No one can serve two masters. Either you will, you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Do not worry. I know some of you now are worried about what Jesus is getting ready to say. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Ooh, it's tough. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And the answer is obvious, right? Yes, you are more valuable than the sparrows of the field. Reading on, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And the answer is what? No. As a matter of fact, I think worry can detract from the length of your life. Reading on, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the, flower, see the flowers of the field? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Little literary trick there. Jesus mentions the wisest man in the world, Solomon, and basically is saying, listen to my wisdom too. Remember Solomon, now here's more wisdom. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. And all of us can say amen to that last statement. Well, as we're done reading, we want to say to Jesus, thank you for all the light topics you've just presented to us. But again, I want us to remember, Jesus has 
a huge pile of people up on a hill and he is announcing a new kingdom. And all of the people that are in front of him have been living in a different kingdom. And now he's calling them to follow him into his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so they're very familiar with the kingdom of the world because you see they have a king, his name is Herod. And Herod lives a very certain way. Herod is unbelievably wealthy and powerful. Herod is always consuming and building. Herod has barns filled for his own enjoyment and his own sense of security. As a matter of fact, his father, Herod the Great, had built palaces that were really fortresses all over his kingdom. And he did that just in case if an enemy came from this side of Israel, he could shoot over to this palace and fortress and be secure. He had them all over his kingdom. The most famous was Masada. And Jesus now as a king is standing on the hillside and he announces a new kingdom. And his kingdom is definitively an upside down one. And so what we're going to do, we've read a lot of stuff this morning here in this passage. What we're going to do is just simply look at a few things. We're gonna jump into it and ask Jesus to open our eyes and our hearts. We're gonna begin where we began reading, Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth because there's these problems, moths, vermin, and thieves that steal. By the way, the Greek word for steal is klepto. That ought to sound familiar. But store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Now, Jesus lists three things that are a problem for earthly treasure. Moths, vermin, and thieves. Now, I want to tell you how they're all extremely similar. They're all similar in this way. You don't see them, but you see their effect, right? In other words, you go on vacation, and you come home, and there's been a thief in your house. If the thief is a good thief, you never saw the thief. But don't you see the results of it? You go into your silverware drawer and everything's gone. You didn't see the thief, you saw the results of it. I've lost two sweaters and a business suit to moths. True. Went in, put them on, was like, whoa, what, what in the world? Holes in the, what? Never saw the moth, but sure saw the results of it. Then you sell that on eBay. <laughs> but then there's the idea of thieves. Thieves, they come in and steal. Or maybe vermin. Whenever I think of this story, I think of an episode of a guy that I knew who was a part of city, who was a contractor. I'll never forget this event. My wife and I were at the Tapanyaki place up 29 North by Target. We are up there, we are eating. And... Um, this guy that I knew relatively loosely, we're not really friends, but we know of each other. And when you sit down at those big tapenaki tables, they're kind of communal, right? There's different people you don't know. I look across the table and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that guy. We waved at each other and we started eating. And halfway through the meal, he came over to talk to me. He said, Pete, um, he said, can I just bend your ear for a moment? And I said, no problem, I'm eating, no problem. And he says, um, 
He says, I just want to talk. He said, I've got this big thing I got to do tomorrow, and I'm really anxious, really worried. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, let me tell you a story. He said, um, I just this afternoon was asked to give a bid on covering the top of a chimney because there's water leaking down the chimney, two-story house. And he said, so just this afternoon, he said, I got my ladder out, went up on top of the house, and I pulled off the chimney cap. This is a wood-sided house. He said, I pulled off the chimney cap, and there were termites boiling around the top of the chimney. And he said, the woman that owns the house is elderly, and she's lived in the house for 30 years. And if there's termites all the way up to the cap of the chimney, her house is completely infested from, with termites. And he said, I have to go tomorrow morning and tell her. That's where the leak is from. Now, when you think about what Jesus is saying, all of us felt the heartache for that lady, didn't we? What Jesus does not want us to do is end our life and have that happen to us. He doesn't want that. Because if your treasure is something that's earthy, it's of Herod's kingdom and not the kingdom of God, you will end your days in the entire house you built. Jesus said it'll be full of termites, vermin. And you don't see them until the effect hits you. And he doesn't want that. So what Jesus is doing in the, certain, in the Sermon on the Mount is trying to get people who've been in Herod's kingdom to now step into his kingdom. And all of us, by the virtue of the life we live, we all live in Herod's kingdom. We do that. But Jesus is saying, look, as you move from Herod's kingdom and how it works in the world, what we do now is begin to look at our lives and analyze our lives. We ask ourselves, what do we treasure? What do we treasure? Because Jesus said if your treasure and the definition of treasure is actually from the wrong kingdom, you will end your days and find that your house is ridden with termites. You don't want that. And so, Jesus asked us this question, what do you treasure and where do you store that treasure for safekeeping? You know, it's interesting to note that in the paragraphs we just read, treasure is the most repeated word. And in Eastern literature, that's how you know what the topic actually is by the word that's repeated. In English, it's translated treasure three times, but it's actually there five times. Because in the NIV where it says, and store up for yourselves, it's actually the same word, treasure up. Treasure up your treasure. Store up your treasure, treasure up treasure. That word is used five times. Treasure, treasure up. Don't you treasure your treasures? That's what Jesus is talking about. So the question becomes, why do people have treasure? Well, they pursue it because it gives their life a purpose. It gives you something to wake up for. People would pursue a treasure or want to own a treasure because it gives a sense of importance and security. It gives a sense of confidence if you have a lot of treasure. The question becomes, what makes treasure treasure? 
It's treasure because people believe it is. Most treasure that we find, and if you are like I am, there are times where I might enjoy watching one of these treasure hunter shows. You ever watch these shows? You watch them for two years and they find nothing. But they're still convinced that this island has all of this treasure. You find out the commercials were more interesting than the show. But every once in a while, someone will find treasure usually buried at the bottom of the sea and there's this massive wealth and they gather it up and they bring it in. And then they hoard it and they put it under lock and key. But why is treasure treasure? Well, it's treasure because it's rare and people believe it is. I want you to picture this. Could you imagine you live in Herod's kingdom and you live like Herod where he pursued treasure and then you end your days and your treasure that you've pursued like Herod is filled with gold and rubies and precious stones and then you step into heaven and you find that that stuff is used like gravel because the Bible says the streets are paved with gold. And it's interesting to note that in heaven, everything that makes up treasure on earth is used as construction materials. It's as common as gravel. And then we begin to back up and we begin to look at our lives and go, okay, ooh, wait a second here. What do I treasure? Do I treasure stuff because people say it? Or do I treasure what God treasures? Now, what's interesting to note, though, is that Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We know that King Herod was one of the most paranoid people to ever live, just like his dad. King Herod of Jesus' day killed people he thought were a threat to him. He was completely paranoid. You know why he lived that way? Because his heart was where his treasure was. He knew his treasure was vulnerable to thieves. But you see, when your treasure is the treasure of the kingdom, you don't have a sense of anxiousness and a low hum of worry that permeates your heart and your life. Because treasure in the kingdom, Jesus has just told us, is completely secure. No one can get to it. No one can steal it. No vermin can undermine it. Termites can't get to it. And so one of the challenges is, is to look at my life and say, is my treasure the treasure of the kingdom of God and Jesus? Or is my treasure just like Herod's? Now, as I said earlier, when Jesus is uploading this whole difficult teaching to us, and you ought to feel the tension of it because we were all raised in Herod's kingdom and now Jesus is bringing us into his and it ought to feel a little bit awkward and challenging and thought-provoking and concerning. But in the middle of uploading this thing about treasure to us and money and the battle with that, he brings this little riff about eyeballs. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 
Well, any Bible that you have has a footnote right next to healthy and unhealthy to help you understand. You see, in Greek, the word for for healthy implies generous. The word for unhealthy implies stingy. Isn't that interesting? That a good eye is a generous eye. An unhealthy eye is a stingy eye. And Jesus says, if your eye is unhealthy, if you have a stingy perspective on the world, it means that there's limited supply everywhere you look, and so you've got to get yours for you. And Jesus says how dark that becomes. But if you have a healthy eye, it's generous. You believe that you are God's And that because you're in the kingdom, God has done the flowers and the birds and he knows how to take care of them and God is unlimited. And so you know that whatever you have, you can be generous with because God has blessed you with it and you can be generous with it to others. But if you look at what you have, your money or your treasure, and you're stingy with it, The Jews would say, you have an unhealthy eye. And what we clearly understand is that as in the kingdom, as we transition from Herod's kingdom and the kingdom of this world into Jesus's kingdom and the kingdom of God, one of the greatest things that we struggle with is generosity. Martin Luther, the famous theologian, said the last thing to get converted in a man is his wallet. I love that. And the reason why is treasure and money brings security. It brings a sense of peace and a sense of wholeness. But Jesus says, don't live that way. Because if you do, your heart will be where your treasure is. And if anyone has been watching the banking system this year, you know You already know. Now, the text never teaches us to ignore finances, ever. It's not what I mean. I mean it's, what do you treasure? What's truly valuable? When your heart is with God or in the kingdom of the world, like, what happens? Because where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And then Jesus, having mentioned Solomon, uploads a little bit of his own wisdom to us. And he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And what's the answer to that? No. By the way, that same passage actually could be translated a different way. Can anyone, by worrying, add a single cubit to your height. Fascinating. What is a cubit? It's the distance from your elbow to the tip of your pointing finger. That's a cubit. Isn't it interesting that in the time of Jesus, as he brings out wisdom like Solomon, he says, can anyone of you, by worrying, add a cubit to your height? Isn't it interesting that the human limitation and the limitation of time is something that has created a lot of anxiety and worry in a lot of people? Time, 
You can't add an hour, cubit. You can't add the distance from your elbow to your pointing finger to your physical anatomy. You can't do it. There's limitations, and those limitations should turn us to God. But the question becomes, with what Jesus has brought to us, how do we put feet to our faith? And Jesus seems to land the plane around this area, Matthew chapter 6, verses 32 through 33. He says, for the pagans run after all of these things, what to eat, what to wear, treasure, all of that stuff. And the reason why they run after that is because it gives them a sense of security and belonging. It gives them a sense of being right in the world. And Jesus says, pagans run after that. By the way, it's interesting to note that that word run after means to go at it frantically with nervousness and stress. It's the word that was used of King Herod when he went to look for the apostle Peter after Peter in the book of Acts vanished out of the prison because God came and set him free. It said that exact word that Herod was running around frantically looking for the apostle Peter because you know what happens if you put a dude in prison that you feel is opposing you and he's on the loose. Herod ought to thank God that Peter was part of a total different kingdom. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. God's got it. But here's where we should focus. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, in Herod's kingdom, people are frantically running after treasure, but why? Why do they want the treasure? Because the treasure gives you a sense of security and peace and belonging, a sense of stability. If I can just get that gold ruby studded thing and it's mine, then I can feel security and peace. And Jesus said, if you seek first his kingdom, that security and peace and having your needs met, that's going to be given. You don't run after it. He gives it. And how desperately we need this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Jesus teaches us this because he really loves us and cares for us and wants us to live the best life. What he doesn't want us to do is work and work and work our whole lives and be in Herod's kingdom and at the end it just all goes away. He doesn't want that for us. He wants us in his kingdom where we will have peace and security and wholeness. That's why people strive for treasure. One final story and then we're gonna close. One of my closest friends, his name's Joe Castleberry. He's a missionary, or was. He's now in the U.S., but he went to several Latin American countries, and the longest place he was was in El Salvador. Actually, we took a missions trip over there and served with him. But when he moved to El Salvador as a missionary, the fellow missions agencies came to him and said, look, when you get in your house, you have to hire locals to serve in your house. If you don't, it's assumed that you don't like them 
and that you're not generous. You need to hire people to serve in your house. It's the way it works, gotta do this. He felt like that would be an affront, but actually in their culture, the opposite would have been true in the city where he was. So he hired people to work in the house, to serve with his wife, and they actually gathered them in like family. They paid them. They were there for quite a long time, several, several years, and at the end of his time, they had a final meal with all of the people that had served. And when they were done with the meal, he got up and all their stuff was being moved out of the house. He was coming back to the States. When the meal was over, this lady got up and approached him who had been serving with him. And she said, Joe, can I now get the deed to the house? He said, excuse me? She said, the deed. Now's the time where you give me the deed to the house. He said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she said, well, she said, all these years I've been working for you and your wife. I've been giving my money to a certain man who promised me that when you left this house, it would be mine. And I gave him all the money that I've worked for all of these years. And he said, you're joking. She said, no, every month I've given him every penny. And he promised me the house would be mine. And Joe had the painful experience of explaining to her that a thief had stolen from her. He said, honey, we don't own this house. We leased it. Missionaries don't buy houses. They lease them. Not only that, you've been scammed. And here's what I believe in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus stands in front of us and teaches these things because he doesn't want you to be scammed. He doesn't want you to end your days and have nothing. Amen?